working our way through the Romans road. Romans chapter 10. Diane, today I I forgot to let you know, but that one page is two-sided, okay? Romans Romans chapter 10, and we're going to do verses 9 and 10. Romans 9 and 10. So I know that this is probably you're like, well, hopefully by now you're like, I I know this stuff. I've heard it enough. (laughs) But we're going to keep repeating this for a little bit to help you try to Put these verses in your, in your, to memory, and then I hope that you'll be able to use them in the future uh, to help share the gospel with some people and to, to share what the Lord has done for you in, in salvation. So let's start today. The, the message title is very simple, Declare and Believe. It comes right out of Romans chapter 10, verse 9. And so let's look at Romans chapter 10 and verse 9 and 10. Romans chapter 10 Verses 9 and 10. This is King James. It says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That's an important word right there. Thou shalt be saved. Verse 10. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Okay. So we are at the place here today where we're going to talk about if you get someone far along enough in conversation, and what was our first verse again? Romans 3.23. Diane, you can pull these up as we go through them. Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You having a conversation with someone, and they've been questioning spiritual things or things about God, and you're like, well, I mean, you realize we're all sinners, right? And you can tell about your own sin and where you came from. And then they're like, yeah, I get that. And I've been kind of struggling with some things. And I think I, maybe I needed to make a change. And then you could go to Romans 6, 23 and say, well, you know, we're sin leads, right? And what the, what the scripture says, and I like to say this a lot, if the Bible is true, and I believe the Bible is true, so that's why I believe this, because that's where I'm making this assumption from. If the Bible is true, the wages of sin is death. That's where it's going to lead. And you can explain wages to most people, right? They get it, what it means to earn and what you deserve. But the new, good news starts to creep in, doesn't it, right? <laughs> but there's a gift, something that you can't earn, that you don't deserve. But the gift of God is life, and not just any life, but eternal life. And you can tell them then, I, I have found this life, and I found it in God's Son. His name is Jesus. And here's what the Scripture says about what Jesus did for us. Romans 5, 8, but God the Father, He demonstrates His own love for us, and that while we were still or yet Sinners, Remember we talked in Romans 3 and Romans 6 about that sin stuff. Even in our mess, while we were still sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. And this is where the Easter story comes in, doesn't it? Right? Here we go and we can say, this is the point of the cross. This is the point of the nails. This is the point of the crown. This is the point of the spear. This is the point of the mocking and the beating. Jesus died for you. And that's why all these Christians gather together on Easter to celebrate because this is why, because Jesus died on your behalf, even when we were sinners. So then if that person is with you and they're still like, boy, this is what you'll probably see is the spirit of God starts moving on their heart. And they're like, I want to know what can I do to be right with God? What can I do to have what you have? And that's today, right? Romans 5, or excuse me, Romans 10, 9. That's where we want to look at today. 
if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that's next Sunday, right? (laughs) You shall be saved. That's a promise. Such a great promise, okay? There's no wavering there, is there, right? With your heart, you believe and you're justified. And with your mouth, you profess your faith and you're saved. You guys, I've learned this verse my whole life in King James from a little kid. So I'm reading these words today. You find the translation, if it's NIV or New King James or King James, it works for you and go with that. For a lot of people, I think this is easy to understand. That is, and then next week, next Sunday, and I'm really looking forward to next Sunday, is the really simple whosoever, right? For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you guys would pray next Sunday, I'm very hopeful that someone will be sitting here in this room who maybe needs to hear the gospel, and we're going to do the same thing that I just did right here. But as Michael kind of shared in Sunday school this morning, I'm hoping that the word of God with the spirit of God will convict and really draw someone to Christ next Sunday. So you pray even for that. Come expecting, okay? Come expecting God to be here. Come expecting that good things are going to happen in the day uh, next week. So we're going to, that will be next week. All right, how's your faith today? Do you believe? Do you really believe? Right? Again, I was, was sharing with uh, that quarterly meeting yesterday, and I shared this a little bit with you, but when we were there with those church planners there in India, and they were telling their stories of someone trying to take their life, someone trying to bulldoze and damage their houses, it's one thing to say, I will serve the Lord no matter what, and I would die for the Lord, just like Peter said that, right? And what did Jesus tell Peter when he said that? He said, you're going to deny me three times, Peter. <laughs> you're going to deny me three times. And we could sit here and say, we would, we would serve the Lord to the end, but have any of you had your house bulldozed lately by someone who wasn't a Christian? Anybody tried to punch you because you were a Christian lately? Tried to, tried to attack your family or get rid of your job? Maybe there's some of those things. There will be some things of persecution in the, even in the States, and I'm not denying that. But I'm, but I'm saying it kind of takes on a different level when it's, it becomes really real, doesn't it, right? And today I want to ask you about your faith and, and do you really, truly believe? I love this illustration. I think it really conveys this idea. Um, you may have heard it before. If so, just kind of bear with, but it, I, it really has a good picture of what it means to believe. This is from Ken Davis. He says, in college, I was asked to prepare a lesson to teach my speech class. We were to be graded on our creativity and ability to drive home a point in a memorable way. The title of my talk was The Law of the Pendulum. I spent 20 minutes carefully teaching the physical principle that governs a swinging pendulum. Right? Everybody remember what a pendulum is? Right? Okay. The law of the pendulum is this. A pendulum can never return to a point higher than the point from which it was released. Because of friction and gravity, when the pendulum returns, it will fall short of its original release point. Each time it swings, it makes less and less of an arc until finally it is at rest. The point of the rest is called the state of equilibrium, and that's where all forces are acting on the pendulum at an equal level. So he says, I attached a three-foot string to a child's toy top, and I secured it to the top of a blackboard with a thumbtack. I pulled the top to one side, 
and I made a mark on the blackboard where I let it go. And each time it swung back, I made a new mark. It took less than a minute for the top to complete its swinging and come to rest. And when I finished the demonstration, the markings on the blackboard proved my thesis. I then asked, how many people in the room believe the law of the pendulum was true? Well, of course, all of my classmates raised their hands and even did that, so did the teacher. He started to walk to the front of the room thinking the class was over when it really, it had just begun. Hanging from the steel ceiling beams in the middle of the room was a large, crude, but functional pendulum. 250 pounds of metal weights tied to four strands of 500-pound test parachute cord. I invited the instructor to climb up on a table and sit in a chair with the back of his head against a cement wall, and then I brought the 250 pounds of metal up to his nose. Everybody seeing this so far? Holding the huge pendulum just a fraction of an inch from his face, I once again explained the law of the pendulum he had applauded only moments before. If the law of the pendulum is true, when I release this mass of metal, it will swing across the room and return short of its release point. Your nose will be in no danger. After that final restatement of this law, I looked him in the eye and I asked, Sir, do you believe this law is true? There was a long pause. Huge beads of sweat formed on his upper lip and his forehead, and he weakly nodded and he whispered, Yes. I released the pendulum and it made a swishing sound as it arced across the room. At the far end of the swing, it paused momentarily and started back. I never saw a man move so fast in my life. He literally died from the table. <laughs> Deftly stepping around the still swinging pendulum, I asked the class, does he believe in the law of the pendulum? The students unanimously answered, no. <laughs> right? Do you believe it? Right? Think about that for a little bit this morning. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Do you believe that he came to earth from heaven? Do you believe that he lived a perfect life, born of a virgin? <laughs> Do you believe that he died on a rugged, cruel tree that we sang about this morning? Do you believe that he rose again? Do you believe that he's coming again? All right. Is it real? It is. It is real. Now, we may get put to the test from time to time, right? And today, I want to talk to you a little bit about that, having that kind of faith, that kind of faith that reminds us uh, of who our, our Lord is. So let's look at our verse today. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. And we'll talk a little bit about 1010 10 today, but I really want you to try to memorize, if you can, in your heart and your mind, 109. And again, the word of God says, if you declare or confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, again, coming from my young background, the word I learned there was confess. And there is a confession that is part of salvation, right? Usually, what do you think of when you think of confession? You confess your sins, right? And a lot of times we'll talk about it. And there definitely is a part of confession that is salvation. That's not exactly that part of confession here. Uh, just a real quick thing here, just to kind of make you think a little bit about this. There were four preachers gathered at a friendly gathering. And during the conversation, one preacher said, 
Our people come to us and pour out their hearts and they confess certain sins and needs. Let's do the same. Confession's good for the soul. In due time, all the four pastors agreed. One confessed that he liked to go to the movies and he would sneak off when he was away from his church. And one confessed he liked to smoke cigars. And the third one confessed that he liked to play cards. And when it came to the fourth one, he wouldn't confess. The others pressed him saying, well, come on now, we confessed our sins. What is your secret advice? And finally he answered, it's gossiping and I can hardly wait to get out of here. <laughs> confession, right? Here's what I want you to hear off all that say. This is not that type of confession, all right? Confess is definitely when we say, I've done this, I've done this. But the idea here is to agree with, to declare, to proclaim, to confess something, to say it out loud. Now, what is Paul, when he writes to the church at Rome, what is he asking them to confess? What are you declaring? If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, okay? Uh, I had an amazing opportunity this week. I shared this a little bit in Sunday school. And if you guys, I'm really horrible about this most of the time, but the Lord opens doors and sometimes this old brain actually works like it should. And my superintendent said, uh, hey, um, I heard you had this really neat trip to India. I said, oh, I want to show you my pictures, you know. She's like, okay, let's do that sometime. Well, I reminded her a little bit at the end of the meeting. And she said she would email me. And I didn't hear anything for a few days. So I thought, oh, she probably forgot. And she's so busy and does so much. I wasn't really too worried about it. But then early this week, she sent me an email and said, I got a little time on Friday. I'm like, okay. So I went met with, met with my superintendent. And as I was showing her my love and the pictures for India, what I said, what, one of the things I learned is I don't want anybody to be persecuted for their faith. But I'm a Christian and I love Jesus. And I want everyone to love Jesus. So again, bear with me. That, this is, that's one of my highlights of my life, probably not just like for, for me to declare Jesus is Lord in front of someone who's in authority over me was a great opportunity, okay? Will you declare that Jesus is Lord to the people in your life? Like you could hear Diane today just echoing, yes, yes, yes. And I know Diane would declare that, right? And that's part of being a Christian. The first part is that I will declare with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. Are you afraid of saying the name of Jesus? Wendy and I had this little conversation on the way down here, and Wendy being in the school all the time, she was always like, why do people say that you can't pray in schools? We pray in school all the time. <laughs> Nobody can take away your ability as a Christian to pray in a school. You may not be able to pray out loud or tell other people to pray, but you can pray all day long. We can confess and profess that Jesus is Lord all over any place where we work or where we move or where we live, right? What I loved about Pastor I.D. and Sindhu and everywhere we went, we, we didn't have long prayers. We had little prayers for what we were doing. Let's pray about this. Let's pray over this house. Let's pray over this person. Let's pray over this meal. Let's pray over where we're headed next. Uh, this struggle's coming. Let's pray. And we can confess Jesus everywhere that we are. Now, what's very interesting is this. In Roman culture, who was Lord? Anybody know? At this time? Caesar. All right. Caesar was not president. Caesar was Lord. They used the same Greek word or that translation of that Greek word, that same idea. Caesar is Lord is how it would be proclaimed. And so these Christians started going around and there were Christians in Rome that were proclaiming that Jesus is Lord. Uh-oh. <laughs> Now we have someone who is uh, not being loyal to the government, right? 
You're not proclaiming Caesar's Lord? Jesus himself said, render under Caesar what is his, but lordship belongs to who? Belongs to God. So as you're trying to lead someone to Christ, what you can say to them, well, part of being a Christian is that you're willing to confess and say, Jesus is the one who is the Lord of me. Lord is the idea of master or the person who's in control. Sometimes the idea of boss. Who's your boss? Have you ever told someone that? You're not the boss of me. Right? You ever have somebody babysitting you and you said, you're not the boss of me? Sometimes we say that to the Lord, don't we? Hello? It got real super quiet there. You're not the boss of me. Right? But what you're doing is you're confessing, you're agreeing that this is true, that Jesus is the boss of me. That he has my life, he has my heart. If he wants to send me to India, I will go to India. If he wants to send me to Noblesville of all places, I'll go to Noblesville. And if he wants to put me back in Illinois, he'll put me back there. If he wants to send me to Brazil, I'll go there. He's the Lord. Can you say that today? Jesus is Lord. That wherever he leads, whatever he asks of you, you will do. It's real easy when we first get saved, isn't it? All right. It's like, oh, Lord, I need everything from you. Give me it all. And then whenever we get saved, then all of a sudden we get into life. I'm kind of like, well, I will go anywhere except this. For me, it was kind of North Carolina for a while. Lord, I'll go anywhere but North Carolina. (laughs) Isn't that silly? It's a beautiful state, but I had too many friends from there. I'm like, I don't want to be like those people. right? For you, it may be someplace else. Lord, I'd go anywhere but. Lord, I'll be friends with anybody but. Right? Lord, I'll speak to anybody about Jesus, but how about Jonah? What'd he do? (laughs) Jesus is Lord. God is Lord. Well, he's Lord of everything except for those Assyrians, and there's no way I'm talking to them. You hear me today? Most of you have been Christians for a long time. This morning, again, just offer your life up to the Lord. God, you have it, and you know where it's broken, and you know it's hurt, but it's all yours. And what you ask me to do I will do it because I trust you, Lord, that you will do what is best. So when you're sharing the gospel, you're going to ask someone to say, you're going to confess today that Jesus is Lord. The way I would word that is surrender, all right? That you would surrender your life. Some people talk about waving a white flag. Jesus, I'm surrendering to you. You're in control, okay? And so that is the part with your mouth. That's the confession part, right? That's the part where you say, I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. I want to follow Jesus. But in your heart, something has to happen as well, right? Uh, Just briefly, I want to pull up a couple scriptures. Isaiah 45, verse 23. A reminder that even the Old Testament points to Jesus as Lord. By myself, I have sworn my mouth has uttered in all integrity a word that will not be revoked. Before me, every knee will bow, and by me, every tongue will swear or confess. Does that sound familiar? Philippians chapter 2, verse 9. Therefore God exalted him, that being Jesus, to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and under earth, and uh, every tongue acknowledge or confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. If you want to really upset a person who is Jehovah's Witness, here's what you tell them. Jesus is Jehovah. And you can use verses just like I shared there, and there's tons of them that point that out. The Old Testament, when it speaks of Lord, the New Testament, it all applies to Christ. He is God. And that's the truth that we need to share out. He is the Lord, the master, the ruler, the king. 
You are giving up control when you declare Jesus as Lord, and that means he is on the throne and you no longer are. Everybody tracking with that? When you make him Lord, he is on the throne of your life and you no longer are. And so the question today, very simply then, is does Jesus have control of your life? That's what I'm asking you. What are you doing today? What are you doing after church today? Who determined that? Right? What are you doing this week? Well, I got this meeting and I'm going to have dinner and I hope to go fishing this night or I hope to watch this Masters today or hope to see the Pacers play or, you know. Right? You already got it all planned out? I do. <laughs> right? Who has control of your life today? Let the Lord be the one guiding your schedule. Make sure that that thing is always open up to his leadership and leading. Uh, again, believing here is the essence of faith. What do you truly believe in? And I will remind you of this. This is what scares me sometimes when I read this in James. You, James is writing to the church dispersed abroad. In James chapter 2, verse 19, he says, You believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons that experientially they know it and they shudder sometimes we don't even tremble do we the demons believe there is one god they know who he is and they even tremble in his presence but they have rejected his control that's the difference we should still shudder and tremble in his presence but we submit to his control all right the next piece is that we have that declare piece but now we have the believe piece we want to believe, and we're going to believe on the inside. The declaration is external, but faith is internal. What do you believe today? And that's what Paul points out to the church. Here's what's important that you believe, that God raised his son, Jesus, from the dead. There's a lot in that phrase, right? I believe there is a God. And again, as you're sharing the gospel with someone, that's what the, hopefully the Spirit of God's going to be con convicting them of. There is a God. He is the creator. He made this earth. There is a God, and I believe this God, he sent his son to die. He is the Christ. In a lot of the Christian churches, whenever they're getting baptized, they have a confession. I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. That's true. When we say Jesus is the Christ, that means all those Old Testament prophecies that said this Christ is coming, this Messiah is coming, the anointed one is coming. Then when he came, the Christian said, I believe that he is the fulfillment of all those prophecies. He is the Christ. And that's what we're looking at here. God raised his son, Jesus. And what's Jesus' name mean? His name means salvation, right? He's the one who's born to save. He is the son of God. Now you can unpack that later. Uh, a six-year-old may not get that, right, in all of its depth. But they'll know there is a God, and they will know that there was, he had a son, and he died on a cross. And then if I trust in him, that I, my sins can be washed away. And let me tell you, speaking as a six-year-old who came to Christ that way, my life was changed from that moment on. I didn't understand all the theology from a seminary class, <laughs> but I knew that Jesus was God's son, and he died for me, and he rose again. And that's the last point, isn't it, right? Today, the world is not our world, especially. Maybe the, the Eastern world's a little better at this, but the Western world, everything's got to be proven. And we have no taste for the miraculous. Right? Yeah, it's, it seems like they're, we would say they're way too superstitious, but I would say they're very prone to faith in the Eastern world. And we're all about facts. Right? 
And so what you're confessing here is that there are some things that you don't have the science behind. Can you understand how a man can be dead for three days and be brought back to life? (laughs) And this is some penology here, but I don't know that science will ever figure that one out because I believe it was supernatural and God did that. And when you're confessing that God raised his son Jesus from the dead, you're saying there are things I don't understand that are beyond me, but that the powerful God could do. All right? What do you believe? Do you believe that God raised his son Jesus from the dead? This is the essence of Easter, and here is the promise, right? And Brother Rick said amen on this while ago. The promise is this. You shall be, you will be saved. There's no maybe in there. There's no kind of, there's no, well, there's a little asterisk beside it. (laughs) There's no contract you got to fill out. There's no, you have to give this much money or do this much prayer or do this much almsgiving or, you know, knock on these many doors. Is there? If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, I've given control to him. And if you truly believe in your heart that the almighty God sent his son, he died a perfect life, died on a cross, was buried three days, and he, God raised him from the dead. If you believe that in your heart, you will be saved, right? Let your kids have confidence in that. I had so much doubt when I was a young teenager, and I had to come back to verses like this to find my assurance that God knew what he was doing. My dad, it was so good. My dad wrote in my Bible the day that I said, Lord, I I accept you into my heart. And it was about six years later. I was thinking I was around 12 or 13. I came back to that Bible and opened up and there was that day. And my dad had even wrote down some of the things that I had said. And when I said that, oh, I had repented of my sins and asked Jesus into my life. And I came back to this verse. And this verse said, if I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart, I am saved. Don't let the devil take that away from you. Because he will definitely try. This is a great foundation verse, okay? Some of you will work with kids and young people who are going to come and they're going to be troubled sometime about whether or not they're going to go to heaven. And this is some of the best place to be, isn't it? Are you a Christian? Well, I don't know. I go to church. No. (laughs) Are you a Christian? Well, um, I was baptized. Are, Are you a Christian? Well, I read the Bible once in a while. Are you a Christian? Have you declared with your mouth that Jesus is Lord? And do you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you could be saved? Yes. Then you're a Christian. God will do the change. Isn't that good? It's not complicated, is it? And I hope when Wendy's kind of said this, I, I, I hope this hasn't seemed too simple, this sermon series, but it's not, it's not difficult. One of the best preachers of all time was Billy Graham, and he was one of the most simple preachers there ever was. He would deliver a clear message that people needed Jesus to be saved and go to heaven. And this is that gospel, and this promise is that clear, and it's backed by the God who created this world in six days. That's how strong the promise is, all right? Profess, confess, declare Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you'll be saved. All right. Let's briefly look at verse 10 and then I'll let you guys go. Romans 10, 10. And Paul writes there, he says, with your heart, it is with your heart that you believe and you're justified and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and you are saved. When you believe on the inside from your heart, Jesus will come in and he does the work. He will transform you. He will regenerate that old self into a new man, a new woman and justify you before his father. Do you guys know what justify means? 
This old little idiot, little phrase, but it's good. Just as if I'd. Are you justified? Just as if I'd. I'm just as if I'd never sinned. When you sin, we talked about this that first week, that breaks your relationship with God and you are cut off from him. Remember that gulf that we tried to jump that we can't jump, right? But when Jesus comes in and when you profess and believe, he changes and he justifies you like you had never sinned. And guess what? Now you can go across that bridge. Now you have on those white robes. Now you are back to relationship with God and you can commune with the Father as it was intended from the beginning. That's the gospel, right? When you believe what happens, God justifies. When you profess what happens, God saves. I'm not making this stuff up. This is not penology. This is right, the word of God. When you believe, God does the work. He justifies. When you declare, God again does the work. God saves. Now, how do we usually profess in our circles? And I think this is good. And I would encourage you today to think about this if this hasn't been done with you yet. We baptize, right? Baptism is our profession. It is where someone comes and says, I declare, I proclaim that I want to follow Christ publicly, okay? Now, again, in our culture, if you do that, hopefully some people might come and see and say, oh, it's a great day, right? But in some culture, in many cultures, if you read the Open Doors report that Brother Todd reminds us about it, and I read it in my daily prayer time, there are many cultures that when you go down in that water and you come back up, it's a profession, it's a confession, but it says you are rejecting the faith of your childhood and you are seeking the Son of God. And it is a life-changing, altering thing in many negative ways in your culture. Right? It's a big deal to profess and confess. And we need to pray for our brothers and sisters who do that. And Cindy, if he were here, he would tell you how many times other people will come and try to sway those people to recant. And they will put all kinds of pressure on them to go back on that profession, that confession, okay? Today, we should celebrate baptism. Your preacher is horrible at celebrating. When we do something good, it's like, oh, good job. Now let's go on. I'm one of those people at an NFL football game, whenever you caught a touchdown, what are you dancing for, man? We made a play. So what? You sacked the quarterback. That's your job. Do your job. Do it right. Let's go to the next thing. Right? I'm terrible about celebrating. We need to celebrate. In our Sunday school lesson today, when Rick shared with us, what did you see in every one of those passages? The lost coin, the lost sheep, and the lost son. Right? There was much rejoicing in heaven. Right? Much rejoicing in heaven. When the prodigal son came in, what did the father do? It's about time you got back here. I can't believe you squandered all that money. Is that what he said? Did he get on the oldest son even and say, when the oldest son would say, well, you never did anything for me, did he even go back, well, hey, buddy, you don't deserve it yet. Did he say that? <laughs> no, he said, everything I have is already yours. But he was dead and he's alive and we need to celebrate. You guys, I'm very hopeful that we're going to see somebody come to Christ this year or we're going to see some baptisms this year. I already know some people have come to Christ waiting to see if they will be baptized. When we do those baptisms, you help the preacher to make sure that that day is a celebration. When somebody goes from death to life, when they go from destruction to hope and we confess that Jesus is Lord and we believe that God raised him, we need to celebrate. And maybe that is food and maybe that is singing and maybe even the preacher could dance a little bit. What do you think? right? We need 
to celebrate because that is how significant it is when someone professes. Again, I read that phrase to you. I should have put it on the screen for you today. I just want you to hear it because it sounds so true to me. I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. It rings true. Like some things when you hear it, you're like, oh, that's it. That's good. Uh, Later on, maybe I'll share this week. Andrew Peterson has a song where this is, it's called the confession. And this is the chorus of the song is I believe he is the Christ, the son of the living God. And that's what we need to confess everywhere we go, don't we? With, with our life, not just with our mouth, but also with our life. All right. We, our part is to trust. Jesus has done the work. Let me remind you a couple of things to look at the, the salvation change. First thing I want to remind you today is that we need to trust the work that Jesus has done. Romans 9, 33, as it is written, God says, See, I lay in Zion a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. If you believe in your heart and profess with your mouth, you will be saved. No doubt. Here in the scripture, we are reminded way back when God says, anybody who trusts in that stone, they will never be put to shame. Right? God says, if you're ashamed of me, Jesus says, if you're ashamed of me, I will be ashamed of you. But if you trust in me, you will never be ashamed. Let's confess our trust in the Lord today. Isaiah 28, 16. So this is what the sovereign Lord says. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who trusts will never be, what? Dismayed, right? There are things that are firm. There are things that don't move. We live in a very moving world right now, don't we? Our culture is changing like crazy. It just seems like every day there's something different and strange and foreign. Maybe that's the way it's always been. Some older folks might share that with us. I feel like where I'm at in my life now, it's just like, there's just new, strange thinking and changes all the time. But one thing doesn't change. That is God's love for his people and the truth that if people will confess Jesus as Lord and believe in their heart, that they will be saved. That is as sure as that cornerstone is sure. And yet, what I want to remind you of just briefly Faith only grows as it is fed. Here, here, this is D.L. Moody, one of the greatest evangelists of the 19th century, end of the 19th century. This is what he said. He said, I prayed for faith, and I thought that someday faith would just come down and it'd strike me like lightning. But faith did not seem to come. One day I read in the 10th chapter of the book of Romans, now faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. I had closed my Bible and I had prayed for faith. I now opened my Bible and I began to study and faith has been growing ever since. Okay. Hear what the evangelist said? Sometimes we just ask God to kind of come strike us and change us and do it. And he says, you need to hear and you need to hear from my word. And you guys are doing that today by being around the word and here and in Sunday school and singing worship songs. But you need to do that home too, don't you? You need to hear the word of the Lord, that your faith will be fed, that your faith will grow. All right, let's review our verses, and then we'll have prayer for our lost friends and family. And hopefully you've had a good day again to be reminded of these truths. What's the first one? Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Let's see how you did. There you go. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All right. What's the next one? Good, Romans 6, 23. 
Keep going. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. You guys are doing awesome. See, at least we got the first two if we didn't do anything else. Great. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Aren't these scriptures just awesome now when you've kind of been through them a little bit? They just start to get richer and richer, don't they? All right, then last week we did Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still or yet sinners, Christ died for us. All right, good, good stuff. All right, today, just 10-9. I'm not going to push 10-10 on you. You can do some extra work on that one. But Romans 10-9, here we go. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If nothing else, make sure you remember that last four part right there, right? Okay. Romans 10-9, if you declare or confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe good in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. All right, now the next, there you go. <laughs> Right. See, you guys are going to mess me all up and Wendy too, I can tell, because we have our verses in King James. And so if you switch anything, these old minds, they don't do as good, do they? Right? All right. Here we go just all together. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Amen? It's not difficult, is it? Can you guys share the gospel with somebody? You've got enough now. Next week, we're just saying that anybody can be saved. That's when they start throwing excuses and you can have one more to come back at them with. <laughs> you know how to tell somebody what sin is, right? You know how to tell somebody where sin goes, but you also can tell somebody of a gift. You can tell the story of the cross. You guys, all of you guys have been here enough that you know Easter week and what it's all about. You know about the nails. You know about the crown of thorns. You know that Jesus shed blood so that we could be forgiven. But you also know that he rose again. And today, very simply, if someone came to that point to you and said, I, I want to be, say, I want to know Jesus. I want to go to heaven when I die. However they worded it, you could say it's really simple. Confess him as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Give him your life and he will come in and he will change you from the inside out. Then just start seeking out after him. Come to church with me. <laughs> go find a good church locally that believes the Bible. And continue to grow and grow and never forget to always depend and always surrender to him. That's the gospel. All right? All right, amen. Let's stand this morning. You guys make me so excited today. I can see in your faces that you get it, that you understand. So now that comes the hard part, right? And that's the practice, right? So we need to share this week. Um, before we even, I'm going to go play at the piano, but even before we do, I just wonder today if somebody's on your heart and I was going to give you a chance to share today. If there's someone that you would like for us to pray for, especially today.